where Dave and I plan this year's company holidays. Let's go through the list. Easter, too religious. St. Patrick's Day? Too white. Mother's Day? Way too cisgendered. All of your usual holidays have been canceled this year. But we still have Karl Marx's birthday! Ha <laughs> Need a real reason to party? Find a new job at redballoon.work. Elon Musk buys Twitter. Alberta protects its children. Ottawa loves face diapers. And the public inquiry into the War Measures Act continues to make our federal government look like bumbling fools. We have your weekend review. Lure TV and Choice 4-2 dropped a powerful and rather brutal video called The Procedure yesterday, which you could have seen if you follow us on our social media. We interviewed Laura Clausen and Kevin Sorbo, who's the voice actor in the video, and we'll show you that video in our actual episode today. It's difficult to watch, and you may want to have younger children leave the room or watch it later and so they don't see this with their eyes. But we need the stark reminder that murdering preborn babies is the greatest evil of our generation. Yesterday was Reformation Day, October 31st. And I think I speak for my ginger in crime regarding today's episode when we echo the words of Martin Luther. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything. For to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. God help me. Amen. It's November 1st. I'm Andrew DiBartolo. That's Matt Halleck. We hope you had a wonderful Reformation Day yesterday. This is the Liberty Dispatch. Welcome to the Liberty Dispatch, broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war. Thank you so much for tuning in yet again to the Dispatch. We always appreciate your eyes and your ears and wherever you're getting our program from, whether it's your favorite podcast catcher or you're getting us on Rumble at Liberty Coalition Canada. You can search for us on that platform or if you're getting us on YouTube, Liberty C. Canada over there. We just ask that you would interact with our content. You would comment, like, subscribe, rate, and review. And also, if you're at YouTube, please hit that notification bell because it will keep you uh, keep you up to date on the content we're releasing uh, weekly. You're, you're definitely going to want to do that. We are also a part of the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. That's flfnetwork.com. So you can go over there, you can get all our content through our various shows on that platform, as well as many other wonderful podcasts that you're not going to want to miss out on. And you can also get us on their very handy, very cool Fight, Laugh, Feast Network app, which you can download from your Google Play or Apple App Store. So please get that on your phone and you can get all our content on demand over there. Also, go to our website, libertycoalitioncanada.com, and you can check out all things Liberty Coalition Canada over there. Also, be sure while you're there, if you haven't yet, go down to the bottom of the page, sign up for our email list so you can always stay up to date on what we're putting out and what we're doing here at 
LCC. And also, if you would, we would really strongly encourage you, go up to the top of the page, hit that donate uh, tab, and please leave us a donation. Any amount, whether a one-time larger sum or just small monthly uh, donations are super, super helpful to what we're doing here on the program. And also, as always, you can scan the QR code at the bottom of the page and it will take you there as well. And finally, please reach out to us with any comments, questions, concerns at info at libertycoalitioncanada.com. That's info at libertycoalitioncanada.com. Resisting tyranny and fighting for freedoms in Canada can be wearying. What we all need is some deliciously brewed fuel for our bodies and minds. Amen. That's why you need your beans from Resistance Coffee Company. Why would you buy coffee from people who hate freedom and the foundations of what make Canada a great country? Starbucks pays their employees to travel out of state to murder their babies, and we have something to say about that in today's episode. McDonald's won't let unjabbed parents visit their sick kids in the Ronald McDonald Clown Hospital. Tim Hortons is tracking your movement through their app, and... Their coffee's really not that good. And they won't let unboosted people attend their woke camps. Spend your money on coffee that not only tastes way better than these Marxist companies, but also supports and donates to freedom in Canada. Go to resistancecoffee.com slash LCC and indulge in some liberal tears or maybe some black gold. Today, I have Tree Hugger, which is their organic Sumatra it's very delicious. And the mug is also fitting because, as we'll see, many a liberal tear have been shed in the last week. Let me get a sip of this now. This is good. Mm, delicious. Mm. I can feel the strength inside of me. Also, if you use that slash LCC, and you have to, not only does it let them know that we sent you, but you get 10% off your purchase. That's mugs, merch, coffee, the whole nine. So go to resistancecoffee.com slash LCC. Join the freedom movement today. Well, Andrew, after a weekend off of covering the news, we are just swamped with a ton of stories that are coming across our plate. So we always like to round those up in a segment we like to call our week in review. Let's tee it up. So, Andrew, one of the biggest stories coming to us from this past week is obviously the acquisition of Twitter by the world's richest man, Elon Musk. So we want to bring you the picture of Elon entering Twitter headquarters for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it meant something different, actually, because everyone's like, let that sink in. Yeah. And I was like, Elon's bringing it all and the kitchen sink. I thought that's what it meant. <laughs> I guess no. both work. Yes, both work. It is obviously hilariously stupid. And um, Andrew, he also 
immediately after changed his uh, name in in the bio or description in the bio to Chief Twit. And I think that perfectly encapsulates uh, his ability, his sense of humor and his ability to troll people. Uh, And the response from the left and the media has been measured. And (laughs) of course. And, and mild, right? That's that's. I think we have a video that basically encapsulates the measured, careful, consistent, thoughtful response from people who would be on the other end of the political spectrum or the kind of social spectrum as Elon Musk. I'm, I think it'd be really good for our viewers to see that. Donald J. Trump is now president of the United States. What a great honor to be able to introduce for the first time ever anywhere the 45th President of the United States of America, Donald I am so sorry (laughs) to my world. I am so sorry to my world. This is not what we want. We will face There's so much we potential options, but um, we will get the job done. for beauty and for devastation. In this one moment, it's almost incomprehensible that they can exist right now. So, and we are grateful so close. <laughs> so, Andrew, there you have it. Uh, measured tone <laughs> and reasonableness always coming Great. from... But oh, all my, kid- my mug just filled up. My <laughs> mug just filled up. All kidding aside, uh, the, the fact of the reality is that that was very much the response from many people in legacy media, both in, in Canada and America and really across the world. But we wanted to highlight some of the things that were said about the acquisition of Twitter, obviously, from a Canadian perspective. And uh, first of all, we have uh, from 22 minutes, Elon Musk has taken control of Twitter and fired its top executives. Whoa, that means any minute now, Twitter could devolve into a chaotic forum for hate speech and misinformation. Wait a second. Obviously satiric. Well, satiric. Twitter, but- Twitter's there. I don't understand. <laughs> why, why, why would... How can Twitter how can Twitter devolve into what it already is? Which is a <laughs> Maybe chaotic that's joke, form for though. hate speaking hate speech <laughs> yeah, and misinformation. Yeah. How can it get yeah. worse? Yeah, I mean, it's true. It's true. But radio show host uh Kevin Frankish Andrew had this to say. He said free speech does not mean hate speech. False. It does actually. It does. That's a false statement. It absolutely you have been fact checked. You've been fact checked by me. I always wonder, like, if if you say you hate Republicans or hate the alt right or hate Nazis or hate Trump, does that constitute hate speech? Because, like, you're literally saying that you hate someone. Yeah, no, no. Words don't mean what words mean. Okay, I I was always confused Mm -hmm. on on that. So anyway, I care for I care for children and not seeing them sterilized at the age of 12. Oh, yeah. You're transphobic. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's hate speech though. Mm -hmm. I know that much. Um, (laughs) Anyways, continuing on. It does not mean lying and threatening is okay. While 
lying is a part of free speech obviously threatening is is not right you can't threaten violence on people mm-hmm. uh that's against the law and it depends on the lying <laughs> slander and libel are obviously yeah. that lying is or lying to the police mm-hmm. but to say you know oh that person is ugly when they might yeah. be objectively beautiful that's not hate speech <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> anyways uh let at elon musk know that we don't want trump or bullies and trolls like him allowed back on twitter hashtag no trump on twitter jeff bezos is to elon musk as saint peter is to nero one ian brown of the globe and mail do you think Set. that Ian Brown is upset that Jeff Bezos purchased the Washington Post? No. Do you think he said something about that? Probably nope. not. No. Nope. That is a, an astonishing statement. <laughs> He's comparing Jeff Bezos to St. Peter and e- Elon Musk. What's great about that is Nero, that, uh, the, Nero the set emperor. fire to Rome and blamed the Christians. So Nero set fire to Rome to level it to make room for his new temple. So mm-hmm. Nero engaged in a little bit of uh, false flag gaslighting misinformation in order to further his ends. So uh, kudos to Ian Brown for being more like Nero than Elon Musk is. He didn't realize how, how very fitting yes. his tweet is. Yes, absolutely. Again, just more measured commentary from, from the people over on, on Twitter. If Elon Musk decides to let the head of the Trump crime family, Donald Trump back on Twitter, have we all decided to what social media platform will migrate? I'm open to suggestions. Hashtag Trump is a laughing stock. Hashtag Elon Musk. And that comes from, NTV reporter Don Bradshaw. Now, this one, Andrew, I think this takes the cake. From disinformation researcher, the, the disinformation czar, Caroline Orbueno, she says this, everyone is just going to start tweeting horrible things and claim they were hacked, and then Twitter can say they're not taking action because the accounts might have been under someone else's Account. So there's a crazy conspiracy theory that Carolyn Orbueno has come up with. Yeah. So Carolyn Orbueno, Twitter, no bueno. Here's here's what's here's what's astounding about this. By the way, here's what she has in mind by terrible things. Men are men and women are women, and neither the two shall be exchanged. You can't you can't swap between one or the other. Oh, and I'm a woman. I feel like that's that's a bad thing. But if someone says death to all Jews on Twitter, Caroline Kinder Surprise Bueno would basically <laughs> say, Oh, that's fine. That's bueno. Yeah. Death to mm-hmm. Jews, free Palestine, that's fine. Burn down churches, that's fine. Wait wait a minute. A boy's a boy and he can't mm-hmm. become a girl? What a mm-hmm. terrible thing to say. Yeah, and, well, and that's how also you, how, how do you take these? Who take? How do you take these people seriously? Like yeah, I don't you like just you can't. It's a, it's uh, you can't. they are court and, jesters. Yeah, and I think Twitter is maybe the greatest place in the sense that it really shows there is no neutrality, and it certainly shows that our our legacy media and their ilk are not neutral. If you ever troll through there, <laughs> um, 
their Twitter accounts, it's clear their leftist bias. And that is something that's obvious. And tweets like this from Legacy Media, we'll link into the description uh, the entire article that uh, the True North News put together for just compiling a bunch of people. There's reactions. one picture where it has it has Elon Musk as Thanos and it has the gauntlet. And then <laughs> the last gem is a little Twitter thing. Yeah. Like these people are nuts. Do they understand <laughs> what they're saying? Like our prime minister has demonstrably invoked the War Measures Act, declaring war on his own citizens with zero cause, zero evidence to use nationwide police as a bully force to squash a peaceful protest, lie about it, pretend it didn't happen, while you have the other NDP basically creating the majority coalition, but someone buys a platform that it's his legal right to, and he's Thanos. But our prime minister (laughs) is the lovely, lovely Justin with the flowing hair. And he's like, also he's also about the process through Bill C eleven of censoring the internet of capturing uh, everything that happens on the internet streaming services everything under the the regulatory power of the government so so it's amazing that these people are freaking out at the idea that a a platform that was billed as as a speech platform so you can network and communicate with people not only around you but across the world in a really powerful way speech is being freed on twitter that's a bad thing but yet legacy media who takes money <laughs> from our government they're no longer a free and independent press because by definition you can't be independent of somebody you're dependent upon okay so they take money from our government and subsidies from our government and they're very silent on bill c11 which will literally change the relationship between news reporting online media and our government forever but they're freaking out about Elon Musk taking control of Twitter and getting rid of the shadow banning and and all the nefarious things that were going on through the openly declared Marxist Twitter. So, I mean, it, it just shows where our legacy media and their ilk are on this this subject. You know Andrew? what it reminds so me it's, of? So it's really quickly? it's clarifying. You know what it reminds me of? I just thought about this. It, it it's like you're playing a board game, right? You're playing a game of Monopoly. And you have four people and one person is always cheating and they're always winning. (laughs) They're always cheating and they're always winning. They're stealing money. They're they're, they're playing shady and they're always winning. Mm -hmm. And they are consistent cheaters. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you have someone who's playing the game who maybe they, maybe they also cheat, maybe just a little bit, like just, they do one cheat move or maybe they don't, but now the person who's cheating isn't winning anymore. So instead of being honest about the fact that, oh man, I've been cheating this whole time, like cheats upon cheats upon cheats, and I've been winning, but now that they're not winning anymore, this person will point at the one transgression of the other person, say, you cheated one time, you're the most terrible, (laughs) awful, vile person. That's what's going on here. That they have the iron law of woke projection. Right. That's what it is. And they have been running, they have been winning, winning for so Mm -hmm. long. And now all of a sudden they're losing and there's not even, it's not even like Elon Musk is playing their game. 
he's just wanting to restore free interactions and remove mm-hmm. the shadow bans. But the fact that they've been cheating and now they're not winning, instead of being honest about it, like someone in that board game scenario, they're going to start mm-hmm. freaking out and projecting that everyone else is a terrible awful cheater. So we have a chief twit. That's spectacular <laughs> news. Hit, yeah. hit me with some more good news. What else do we got? Some good news. Some more good news in the weekend review before well, we talk about some sour stuff. Yeah, we actually have a fair bit of good news this week on on the weekend review. Secondly, Andrew, Alberta Premier Danielle Smith has now promised that they will not mask children in Alberta. This is her quote. Our government will not permit any further masking mandates of children in Alberta's K-12 education system. The detrimental effects of masking on the mental health, development, and education of children in classroom settings is well understood, and we must turn the page on what has been an extremely difficult time for children along with their parents and teachers. So Andrew, more good news coming out of Alberta and, and um, Danielle Smith doing a good job. We've had some criticism of her in the past, but this is bueno. This is bueno. I anticipate a, a, a huge migration to Alberta. I think that Alberta, it feels like it's, going to become i mean it's it, people use people used to say that alberta is the texas of canada alberta feels like more like the florida of canada right now where you have this huge amount of people flocking to florida because governor DeSantis is saying yeah yeah no woke nonsense we're not playing the trans game and so i anticipate that canadians who are being shifted around because of work or who maybe want to hurry up and cash out before the housing market completely collapses in our country. And they're thinking, where do I go? Maybe I move in Alberta. Maybe I move somewhere in rural Alberta, maybe 20, 30 minutes outside of Edmonton, maybe just east of Calgary, get their money's worth and find themselves in a free province. I mean, I, we'll see how the numbers shake down. I'm sure that stats can will track movement and, and growth in provinces and we'll be able to see it in real time in a year. But I wouldn't be surprised if in a year's time we look back and people say, oh, yeah, Alberta. And just they saw a huge influx of people. And I I can't really blame them. I can't really blame, especially if you have kids in the public school, which you shouldn't. You should pull your kids out of government. Yeah, those Marxist (laughs) government adoption. You should you take care of your own kids. But Mm. if you keep your kids in public school, I could see them saying, I'll go to Alberta. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I think it's a great opportunity. And I'm, it really shows you the degradation of conservative governance in Canada. We, we call it conservative government because it is a con that so many during this this last while with COVID, so many of the premiers in provinces across our nation have been conservative, but they got they have governed in, in a way that is in lockstep. The worst. With, with in some cases, worse than our federal liberals. All the pastors and, and that's that were the arrested thing. were arrested in conservative yeah. provinces. Yeah, The exactly. churches that had the largest fines in the country, conservative mm-hmm. provinces. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, no, and it is a joke, and and men like Pallister and Kenny and uh, Ford, they're disgraceful. They're not true conservatives. They haven't governed as conservatives, and they have been traitors to to that name, essentially. So, and the crazy part is, like we see down down in Florida, if you took that opportunity to instill good conservative values to govern conservatively it turns out people like that Mm -hmm. people want that and you do better florida's doing so much better in terms of economic rebound and growth they have the largest surplus yeah like they're they're doing unbelievably well and desantis through conservative governance has turned what was has always been a swing state in my lifetime into a, a state where he could potentially win. Some polls have him up by 14 or 15%. This is a guy who won by 30,000 votes when he was elected as governor um, over, over a, a gay man who was a meth addict. He only won by 30,000 votes yet. Now he's governed in such a way that Florida's experienced freedom and prosperity that people have so far swung over to the the right side of the aisle that the Democrats are hardly even putting any money into that race in Florida because he's going to absolutely destroy destroy Christ over there. So that's that's what I'm saying is these conservative governments across our nation missed an opportunity to show how true conservative governance is far better than this leftist nonsense. So while they whine and bemoan and cry about a lot of the stuff that's happening, they miss their opportunity to stand up, stand firm and push back. And in, in similar ways, Andrew, churches of across our nation missed that opportunity we had churches across our nation when people were afraid of death when they were afraid of dying when they were isolated alone and fearful had no place to go instead of welcoming welcoming them in to the church instead of preaching the gospel of eternal life in christ they shuttered their doors. Mm-hmm. And that's a true disgrace that's far worse than any of these conservative governments um, have done across our nation because it's a disgrace and a betrayal to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what really sticks out to me when I see this is if you can provide a positive alternative to the nonsense that we're seeing across this world, people like it. People want individual freedom. They want freedom for their their families, for their education, and they will respond well to opening up and, and making more things free. Anyways, this leads into our third story, Andrew. Yeah, because other provinces and cities are, are following suit and saying, yes. hey, that makes good sense, right? <laughs> No, no, no. Let us let no. us go over to the swamp, Canada's version of the swamp, Ottawa, and the city just of say Ontario. Ottawa. Just say Ontario. We're <laughs> we're we're the worst. We're the not worst. all of Ontario's the swamp. Yeah, I know, though, but I mean, I mean, in terms of governance, not all of Ontario, but in terms of <laughs> governance, because here's the thing: people expect that the East Coast is a liberal wasteland because mm. of because of how they've destroyed the fishing industry. Everyone's dependent upon the welfare state and handouts. Yeah. Therefore, they'll, they'll vote liberal. So that's a liberal yeah. wasteland. We get that. Mm-hmm. We understand BC too. 
right? That's a hippie town. Everyone's drinking hipster coffee and getting high. That Okay, so fine. They govern that way. But when you think about Ontario, especially considering we have a conservative, conservative government with a mm-hmm. fairly lengthy majority, like a fairly large majority, mm-hmm. and huge pockets of Ontario are very conservative, like north of Kingston, you know, north of Toronto, you would mm-hmm. think Ontario would be... Niagara region. Yeah, you would think Ontario would be... No, uh, the worst. Ontario, mm-hmm. like con- all things considered, yeah. the worst in the last mm-hmm. two and a half years. So yeah, yeah. Ontario is the <laughs> and it does I love get, it here. It's yeah. beautiful, but it's a small. <laughs> it is. And it doesn't get worse in Ontario than the nation's capital. The let's belly be honest. of the beast. <laughs> let's be honest. Ottawa is widely considered as the most, one of the most progressive cities in all of Canada. Um, Although, strangely enough, the progressive candidate didn't win in Ottawa or Vancouver in the mayoral yeah, race. Yeah, she made a which, fool of herself which, during the inquiry. Which is rather interesting I to see that. I think that, that. Her, actually. Um, because you have these progressive strongholds and not even the most progressive candidates are winning in them because progressive values and policies have been so destructive in those areas. <laughs> so again, that just gets to my last point that I made, right? Conservative government uh who govern conservatively are the the have a moment and they ought to seize it anyways let's get into the third story here andrew and that is the fact that ottawa public health is now urging people to return to masking indoors so unsurprisingly the ottawa public health agency is urging people to start doing, as I just said, especially as we enter into the fall season, as COVID-19 levels remain high in Ottawa. Well, nobody should be uh, surprised that Ottawa would do this. The public health establishment there in the swamp would issue this this decree, this, this statement. Um, I want to highlight what I think is the big part of the story, and that is the, the moving of the goalposts. And you're going to see it in the article as I read it. And that is essentially, listen for it, the confluence of influenza and normal respiratory colds and viruses with COVID-19. This is from the article. Our monitoring indicators show that the level of COVID-19 in our community are high, Ottawa Public Health said on Twitter. And influenza has started to spread in the community, causing our first outbreak. It's not just COVID-19, the levels that are high and causing concern in Ottawa with the health unit saying the fall respiratory virus season is underway. You can reduce the spread of viruses like colds or the flu by washing your hands often, coughing, sneezing in your elbow and staying home when you're sick. Ottawa public health said, and yes, wearing masks helps with these viruses too. That is false. (laughs) <laughs> indeed it is public health says the first influence uh, influenza outbreak in ottawa this season was in a group home and then it encouraged people andrew went on to encourage people to get the flu vaccine that really terrible no good shot that's usually ineffective you better go get that if you want to 
protect your grandmas, protect your... Are we not seeing the confluence of these narratives? So we were told for the, for the longest time that COVID was totally unlike the flu, totally unlike a cold, which the, 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 the earlier strains were definitely more severe, for sure. Not that much more severe, I should say, but definitely more severe. But now that COVID's endemic, it, it's being used as a wedge to now encourage masking and vaccination in the exact same way for what? For normal colds and flus. That's I thought we eradicated the here. flu. Didn't we eradicate the flu? We didn't. <laughs> it turns out the PCR tests couldn't differentiate yeah. between. But that's the what they told. Oh, the flu. The, ma- the <laughs> yeah. flu's gone. If the flu's because gone. Because of masks. Because then where did it masks. come from? Oh, the yeah. flu came from other countries. But everyone's wearing masks. I don't know. How did the flu? <laughs> like if, the, if it dies, it dies. Uh, because mm-hmm. it didn't die. Anyways, Andrew, uh, you have any comments on the fact that Ottawa, that cesspool, has has issued this statement from their public health officials? Well, there. So it looks like there's a ramping up of sorts happening. It looks like there's a ramping up of sorts happening. Mm-hmm. Ottawa Health is encouraging wearing masks indoors. President Biden has said, "Listen, your your booster is required if you want to have a fun and safe." holiday season our prime Trudeau minister said the same yeah. our prime minister has also said you want to have a fun holiday season get your thing uk health agency has also said the same thing get your jab get your booster if you want to have fun health the toronto sun broke a story we'll include this in the link as well and what they're saying is that the new bq1 and bq1.1 omicron subvariants are growing twice as fast twice as fast as the BA5 in Ontario says public health ontario so it appears to be this this ramping up of messaging which seems to suggest a couple things one mask mandates almost certainly will be coming back if i mean if they don't i'll be pleased but at this point i'll be surprised it seems like all signs are pointing to getting us ready for the masks why because these new variants are on the rise, public health are now in, in, they're now encouraging indoor masks, and hey, flu season is going to be brutal. We know that masks help with the flu, so it seems that mask mandates are on the way, and obviously the irony is they don't work. So I want to I want to point everyone to the interview that Mike did with Stephen Petty. He's an industrial hygienist. He's a certified engineer in eight states, and he is quite possibly the most qualified person in the world. I'm not using hyperbole. He's probably the most qualified person in the world to speak to the efficacy of PPE and masks in close settings in dealing with biological chemical hazards. That's his bread and butter is dealing with risk management and hazard mitigation. And there's no one more qualified than him in the world to talk about masks and how well they work in stopping the spread of respiratory viruses. And I'll just give you the Coles Notes version of Stephen Petty's informed professional opinion. They don't work. The end. That's it. Go watch the (laughs) interview. But that's that spoiler masks don't Mm -hmm. work at all and andrew before we get into our the main meat of our 
our episode today, which we're going to be having a wonderful interview uh, later on in the episode. We have one last story to cover, and that is we're doing an update on the public inquiry into the invocation of the Emergencies Act. So let us do that. Let's fill everybody in. The OPP, apparently, it came to light, was shocked by Ottawa police and their fuel raid on the truckers. This is very, very important to understand. In a phone call after the raid, an OPP liaison apologized to convoy members and blamed Ottawa police services for keeping the OPP in the dark. He said, I personally want to apologize for what occurred earlier today or later tonight. There is there in the evening. We were being told the police's position on the event, and we discovered that we uh, are were not being told the truth, or actually we were not being updated and being consulted with what was ongoing. OPP liaisons thought they were making good progress with the convoy organizers, which was why the officer said he fell, felt so blindsided by... So they were in talks with the convoy was the OPP, and it turns out that OPS unilaterally decided to raid the convoy of their fuel supply, which really basically broke down those conversations and really created a great level of mistrust between the 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 protesters the the convoy organizers and authorities there on the ground in Ottawa false reports about the convoy came from the Ottawa police services as well a report circulated by Ottawa police service made numerous false and misleading claims about the freedom convoy as first reported by black locks reporter the memo titled examining u.s support and funding for the canadian trucker convoy was published by the institute of strategic dialogue the isd funding appears to be coming from a host of u.s and international sources claim the isd the false. convoy that's false that by the way false big Yep. Big time false. Big time false. And that's come out in, in these in these inquiries. So it's it's really important. The convoy is attracting violent and harmful content and commentary from TikTok users, particularly in posts that target Prime Minister Justin Trudeau claim the ISD. Also For false. Also false. <laughs> also, also, but this is the information that the OPS ran with. So it's it's important for us to understand the importance of that. Also, there was misinformation, as we know, and we covered extensively as the convoys were rolling out from the legacy media, and that is just further coming to to light. And on day twelve of the Emergencies Act hearing, former Ottawa Police Chief Peter Slowly said that misinformation and 
disinformation from mainstream media sources during the Freedom Convoy was unrelenting and seriously damaged the morale of Ottawa police officers. It was crushing to the members' morale. It was unrelenting, he said. It was 24 hours a day, said slowly. By the end of the weekend, it had become a global story that the mainstream media was following and none of it was and none of it was portraying in any way accurate the hard work of the men and women in the OPS, none of it. To this day, it hasn't. That is very unfortunate, he continues, because public trust and confidence in the, is the number one public safety factor. When any police services loses public trust and confidence that in itself is a massive public safety threat and risk, it materializes in so many ways. Public opinion against OPS and its members turned just as quickly and to the same unprecedented level that were unrelenting. So there you have it. OPS, they didn't equip themselves well. They were not led well by either Peter Slowly or interim chief there, Steve Bell. But they were feeling this confluence of misinformation coming from the mainstream legacy media, the pressure that the protests actually put on uh, put on them and their resources, and also dealing in the cognitive dissonance between what the mainstream media was portraying and what was actually happening on the ground. It, it, it destroyed morale and confidence in the OPS. Yeah, this, this recap highlights something that we've seen over and over again in the public inquiry, and that is that convoy organizers were working on peaceful resolutions, moving trucks, making sure that emergency lanes were open, making sure that there wasn't any violence, making sure that everything was done legally and in order, and officials said, doesn't matter. That's what we're seeing here, that the organizers worked tirelessly to ensure that things were safe and legal, and the authorities decided to kibosh all of that in order to flex and ramp up the actual aggression and ramp up the temperature of the whole situation. And the fact that OPS is running with false information. So here you have the chief of police saying, oh, the way the media portrayed us and OPS, so really morale of the, the, and of, of, of the, of the officers and oh, boo-hoo for us. Ex excuse me, excuse me. You're the ones that spread false information and ran with it. You're the ones that raided the fuel depot. You're the ones that raided Coventry. You did that, Ottawa Police Services. So don't now cry. Oh, poor us. Listen, obviously, being a police officer in Ottawa with integrity was exceedingly difficult. And the evidence shows that the vast majority of them don't have any of it. And yes, I can understand it's difficult being a police officer already especially around the convoy and all that that entailed. But don't say, woe is us. When you ran with false info, you spread lies. You were the ones that stood in the way of peaceful resolutions by showing police aggression. You know what? The public is right to distrust you. The public is right to criticize you. And the public is right to look at the whole situation and say, 
you mishandled this. Now, maybe it's because of these sentiments. That's why Peter Slawley resigned. Maybe things were going in such a way where he realized I can no longer do the bidding of my tyrants. And if so, good for him, although he'll never say it because there's no way you could be honest about that. But in, in any event, unfortunately, I think all the negative press and public sentiment re- regarding Ottawa Police Services and the way that this was handled, I think it's warranted. I think they deserved it because they acted in such a way to make it worse than it should have been. And it was going to be had they allowed it to resolve on its own. <clears throat> Absolutely, Andy. And that wraps up our weekend review. Now, before we show you the interview that we had with Laura Clausen and Kevin Sorbo, I want to tell you about our friends over at Bull Bitcoin. Born out of the desire to separate money from the state, Bitcoin epitomizes freedom money, an uncensorable network programmed around digital scarcity where the individual is in full control and accountable for his own property. Bull Bitcoin, Canada's most trusted Bitcoin exchange since 2013, is a 100% self-funded company led and operated by incorruptible activists for individual liberties and freedom. At Bull Bitcoin, security and privacy are priority. Customers' funds are transferred directly to their Bitcoin wallet in their own possession. With Bull Bitcoin, you never run the risk of losing your money. You own the money. Sign up at mission.bullbitcoin.com LCC and get started with your accounts creation today. Contact Bull's best in the business customer support team at any point to request assistance throughout the process. Take control of your money. Mission.bullbitcoin.com LCC. And Andrew, as you mentioned at the top of the show, we had the distinct pleasure of being joined by two wonderful special guests, and that is the the founder, the leader of Choice 4-2, Laura Clausen. And Hercules. And Hercules. Hercules. Hercules himself. Yes. Kevin Sorbo. I don't say that to be silly, but like, I don't say that to be like, oh, silly. Like, I... I remember really, oh, really yeah. enjoying that show as a young, like as a, as, as a younger guy. And Kevin kind of joked about that, about age in the, in the interview. But <laughs> I'm like, when yeah. I, I'm like, that's a big deal. Like that's Hercules, right? Absolutely. That's, like, that's what I remember seeing on the screen, on the small screen. Yeah. And we had them on to talk about the new project that they are teaming up on called the procedure that is being launched on Lord TV. You said we shared it on our social medias platforms yesterday if you haven't seen it we definitely want you to go check it out we'll actually be playing that after the interview in the episode so you can see it yourself as andrew said you will want to be warned about the content it is shocking so we want to just highlight that for you but i know you're going to be really blessed by the discussion that we had with laura clausen founder of choice for two and hercules Kevin Sorbo. So let's cue that up. We are pleased and privileged to have with us on the Liberty Dispatch, Laura Clausen and Kevin Sorbo. Uh, For those of you who are connected with the Liberty Dispatch, you hopefully would have seen what we dropped on all our social media yesterday 
which is the animation, the procedure. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit more with them. And so I want to introduce them to our audience. Uh, Laura Clausen, for those who don't know her, she's the executive director of Choice 42, a Canadian anti-abortion organization that wants to reach out to every Canadian woman in crisis pregnancy and offer her a network of support. They also make professional media content for exposing abortion for what it truly is online. We've seen that with the release of the video, and we're going to be talking about that as well. And Kevin Sorbo, known most to our viewers for his work on TV's Hercules and Andromeda, is an American actor with over 70 films under his belt. Uh, growing up in a Lutheran family, he takes his faith seriously, and he has spoken about being a Christian in Hollywood and what that means. He has focused his time more recently on family-based films, including The Miracle of East Texas, which is coming out this January and February. Kevin, Laura, thank you guys so much for joining us on The Dispatch. It truly is our pleasure to have you with us today. Thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here, guys. So, Laura, I want to ask you first for our audience, and we talked about this, being a kind of pro-freedom movement organization in Canada, our audience is varied. And so we have a lot of Christians who follow us, a lot of Christians who are familiar with your work and with the work of Choice 42, and others who might not be, who may not necessarily share all of these same views. So could you tell us a little bit about Choice 42, the organization, how it came about, and the work that you do with women in Canada? Sure. Um, well, it's expanded now. It's not just Canada anymore. And actually, most of the women we help are in your, uh, the U.S. And uh, so it's an anti-abortion Christian organization. And um, we connect with women who are considering abortion, who have abortions booked. We connect with them online and talk with them one-on-one -on -one and basically try and get them to have mercy on their baby and choose their baby over death. And then if they need help... Um, financially or in some way, then our organization is able to help with that. So that's half of the ministry. The other part of it is, um, like you said, creating professional content um, to get people to realize what's going on because abortion, you know, happens behind closed doors. It's portrayed as a woman's right and uh, it's, it's baby slaughter. So that's basically the organization. The first, it's actually the first time I got familiar or that, that I was exposed to your work was the video on the magic canal. And I remember right. watching mm -hmm. it thinking it's, it's such a simple and yet profound truth that people yeah. in their, their, their depravity and their hardness of heart actually believe that something quite magical happens just in that brief space, not realizing that it's the same life. It's the same baby with all the same rights and all the same beauty and value. And I, I remember the first time I saw that, I thought satirical and edgy, but, but, but profound uh, mm -hmm. in its insight. So I've been thankful. Personally, I've been thankful for your work um, and for the, for the media stuff as well. It's been very good. Absolutely. And on that subject of media, Laura, you have been able to uh, get a lot of eyes and ears on the work that you guys are doing through Choice for Two because of that media. You have had a lot of viral videos. Um, the Magical Birth Canal is probably one of your most uh, famous. But 
it, it's it seems very logical then that you would actually produce a series with Lure. Dot TV, which we've had the pleasure of having Marcus Pittman, the founder of Lore, on our program before, which we will link into the description below. But maybe, Laura, you could talk a little bit about the genesis of how this series came about. And then, Kevin, to bring you into the discussion, how did you hear about the project that uh, Laura was doing with Lore, and why did you find it necessary to get involved? All right, all right. Well, Laura, yeah, go ahead because I think Laura's going to give a better explanation of how I got uh, how I got brought into this. Oh, okay. Well, I was just going to say like that the project came to be the whole idea um, as as Laura was getting ready, and they have not launched fully yet. So they basically approached us and said, "Would you create a series? Would you make content for the platform?" And so that's where the idea came from because I was not thinking about making something this big. Um, mm -hmm. they, they'd seen some of our previous animations and, um, then just, I got a phone call from Kevin Sorbo one day, which was really cool. So I, <laughs> I don't even, I don't even know, Kevin, you better say how you heard How many times, how many people can say Hercules called me? Hercules called <laughs> yeah, me one day. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a fan of Laura. I love what she's doing. I love that, uh, you know, her, her youth and her knowledge and her maturity um, blew my wife and I away. Um, we do follow the videos she puts out there. And I can't remember how I got your contact. Maybe I went through your website. I don't know. But I know we, we talked about it. And uh, I, I just love what you're doing. And when you told me what Laura's doing and um, uh, brought brought this first animation that just came out to me i was i was more than honored to uh to narrate it actually speaking for the voice of the gentleman who's actually in that procedure room when the abortion took place um because uh, laura would you say i mean is was he a nurse was he a sonogram operator i mean what exactly was his title again yeah an ultrasound technician Okay, ultrasound technician. Yeah. And he got, he came yeah. in, I think the other guy, the other male or female that was supposed to be in there was late or wasn't there, and they grabbed him and pulled him in his room. He didn't know what he was getting himself in for, uh, and he, um, you know, starts doing the, doing, the, doing the ultrasound. He sees that the woman's pregnant. Oh, she's pregnant. Oh, it's a little girl. Like, he could tell it's a little girl. And then the horror happened in front of his eyes. And I actually narrate his words, these are actually his words talking about what he witnessed and what he saw. And when Laura first sent me that script, I mean, I, I just I just wept when I read it. I mean, I said, my God, they actually experienced this. And it really shows. I've always said we need, we need to go have some 4D imagery of a real abortion so mm -hmm. people can see. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, the idiocy that think that that's not a human being and there was a heartbeat within the first 22 to 24 days. Um, and the, the, the left and the, you know, the pro the pro-choice people, I call them pro-murder people. What is the choice? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To kill a baby or not kill a baby? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, 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 you know, I, I got to jump to these marches they have in Washington, D.C. here in the States. I mean, when you got the pro-choice people marching, there's so much anger and hate and just you can see it. And then you got the pro-lifers and it's like so nice and peaceful. Mm -hmm. And they're, what they're trying to really get out the fact that this is a life that you guys are taking out. Mm -hmm. And in America alone, we're well over 60 million. We're closing on 65 million abortions in this country since Roe v. Wade. I mean, think about that. That's bigger than the population of Canada and Australia combined. I mean, it's unbelievable to take out all these people and um, just to say, and, and nothing people don't think about, all those aborted babies from the 70s and 80s could be parents themselves right now. And now 
that's been snuffed out too. That those lives that would have happened will never happen. Now, Kevin, um, as somebody who you know grew up in Hollywood, who has been a part of a lot of uh, projects, um, a lot of, whether TV or film, can you speak to the importance of a coaching powerful messages within a story like you guys are doing? Right the the abortion mess or the, the 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 abortion message so oftentimes is given to us in Hollywood in a bunch of TV shows. And how important is it for us as those who are anti-abortion, anti-baby murder, to couch what we're doing, our apologetics, our world and life view, in a story so people can digest it in a powerful way. Well, if you look at the movie Unplanned, I mean, they actually slapped an R rating on that because of what uh, Abby saw in that in that room, what she got to witness. And so they're admitting themselves that it is a horrific thing to do. Mm-hmm. They're admitting to it when they slap an R rating on it. And I think every kid uh, from grade school on up should watch what abortions really are and what they really do to these babies instead of growing up with it and and just thinking that it's normal and to use it as a birth control method is really unbelievable to me so um i'm i'm trying to do movies with a positive message you see this stuff coming out of hollywood that has all this anger all this violence all this hate all this promiscuity all this different stuff that's going on that they won't do the kind of movies that i do what the Irwin brothers do what the kendrick brothers do and i want to keep making movies that have a positive message movies in the vein of Blindside, you know, movies like I did with with God's Not Dead and What If and Soul Surfer. I mean, these are the kind of movies that people want out there. There's 80 million homes that want it. I did a movie called Let There Be Light that I directed. My wife wrote it. My kids are in it. It opened number two per per screen average against Thor Ragnarok. So here's a $2.3 million movie up against a $300 million movie with a $100 million advertising budget. We opened number two per screen average. I get a call from Netflix. I had four meetings over the first few months with Netflix to open an inspirational division, and they never followed through with it. I mean, it's amazing. I don't know why they wasted their time calling me and had me waste my time going in there. But I and I told them on my last meeting, I said, you guys need to get past your ideology and hate towards Christians and conservatives, because it's insane where we are right now. Because you can say all you want about, oh, we're for socialism and communism. No, they're not. Netflix, Universal, Paramount, they all want to make money. They're capitalist businesses, but they can pretend that they're on the side of whatever. And um I looked at them and said, there's 80 million homes out there. You can laugh all the way to the bank to a stupid conservative Christians and make money off of us if you do movies that have a positive message instead of a negative one. And they're wondering why their box office, unless they're doing another, you know, Avengers 4 and Pirates of the Caribbean 12, you know. <laughs> uh, but they, they're afraid to go into this world right now that's re- very strange to me. The ideology is just insane. But I'm going to keep fighting the good fight, and I know Laura is too. Well, what they're exposing is that they're really just about a narrative they're about virtue signaling that it's not about truth it's it's about i mean this is why you would have tv shows that are you know just slightly to the right of center that would be you know some of their best shows that networks would pull nbc would pull a show a and e would pull a show because they found that there is a currency that is more valuable than money itself and that currency is being an ally and so what they do is they just continue to push this narrative and you know the, the and what you're doing so Laura I want to I want to ask you about another uh, a project in animation I saw this was kind of the first exposure with you and with Lure was with that animated video highlighting the fact that this is child sacrifice that that, that abortion is not a new thing that you can read through the scriptures and you can see that people would sacrifice their babies to get good rain 
or to make sure that the crops would be yielded. And all we have today is a more sanitized version of it. In and, and, and Kevin, this to your point is why they don't highlight it because they want to hide what's actually going on and just make it seem like, oh, it's a little procedure and 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 oh now there's no baby. And so I me- Laura, I remember seeing that that first animated video highlighting that abortion is a modern day Molech worship. And there's a narrative that we want to push out, which is a true narrative. And so the work that you guys do at Choice 4-2, what would be, I guess if you were to to unpack it a bit, what's the narrative? So what is the what is the truth behind what happens in these hospital rooms, in these clinics? And what is the narrative, the effect it has on the baby, the effect it has on the mother, the effect it has on people who see this horror? I mean, you can't unsee this stuff. So what is the true narrative? What is the truth that we want to push out to fight against the lies that we get from the left and from these these otherwise very demonic and satanic worldviews? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a barbaric child slaughter. And um, it, a lot of times... Unfortunately, especially here in Canada, since we have no law, uh, these later term abortions are allowed and are happening. And so like the video that we just made, now the procedure, this child's in a lot of pain and um, it'll, it, it, it breaks your heart to watch it. And I, I keep having this realization of like, I'm, I'm, we're working on this video, it's turning out, you know, it was turning out incredible, everything was going great. And then I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, but this is, this is a true story. Like this actually happened to this little girl. And it's just, it's like so shocking. And, and just to think that it's happening routinely every day um, and, and just called healthcare and just called choice. So we need to get our hand, heads out of the sand and look at it for what it, what it really is and then start being extremely vocal about it. For mm-hmm. someone like me who, I mean, I, when I first saw the video, when I first saw the kind of watermarked version of it before the official release yesterday, I had a difficult time watching it to the end. I was sitting in my in my dining room table and I was watching it and I like it like it's animated. So it's not it's not it's not real life. You know, it's not like it's 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 animated. But even me, I was squirming. Like I could feel the pull to look away. It was difficult to watch it to the end because precisely because of what you've just said, that even though this is an animated film, this is really happening. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. this, that real, it, real babies experience this. And for someone like me who knows that, who, who is in my soul, I rail against that and, and, and despise that practice. Even for me to see this in this animated form, it was difficult. But I think part of that difficulty, like you said, is tied to the necessity of it. We need to, people need to know what's actually happening. Um, that it's not healthcare; it's something far more barbaric than that. Now, now, Laura, because of that, those euphemisms, right? The abortion's healthcare; it's a fundamental woman's right issue. Is that why you've uh, used the tact of really using very explicit and pointed language? Because I know, as somebody who's worked uh, in, for various pro-life groups, especially when it, it comes to like you know, pastoral care side of the pro-life movement, they're generally pretty, like pretty much tripping over themselves to not use any explicit language. But you've come out, you call abortion murder, you put put a video calling or comparing it and calling it essentially child sacrifice. 
is is the fact that because we live in a culture that wants to sanitize abortion and wants to hide what it truly is, is that why you find it necessary to use this really harsh but very realistic language? Well, yeah. And even the Christians are going along with that. So we've lost a lot of support from Christians um, in different churches saying you're too harsh. Um, you can't be saying things the way you're saying it. You need to be more loving. And um, But we, we are having a lot of success with um, mm -hmm. how many women are canceling their abortions. So I'm not going to lie to a woman and say, this procedure is bad for you. I'm going to say you're about to murder your own child and you're going to have to live with that for the rest of your life. Like they need a reality check to realize because that is the truth. And so mm -hmm. if you just like tiptoe around and use non-offensive language, she might go through with the murder of her own child. And then she's going to be living with that. Um, and it's very, it's very uh, dark for women who choose abortion. Now, Laura, what would you say? How many people, like, you know, cancel abortions? How many people's babies have you been involved in, in saving as an organization? Because I... I, I can't help but think that there's a lot of people on the on the sidelines who have never done this work, never had these conversations, who are very critical of the language you use. But I, like you said, you've been very effective um, in the way that you approach the subject. So maybe just for our listeners, um, maybe you can actually tell them what's the actual effect of of approaching this this issue in the way that you approach it. Oh, yeah. Well, kids are alive. I mean, we are always posting um, pictures on our social media of the babies that were almost aborted. And I just got another picture sent to me this morning of a little boy who's alive. Um, so it's incredible to think because I think even if we'd saved one child, the whole organization, this whole thing, it would have been worth it. And yep. there's, there, yeah, and there's, there's so many, we don't actually keep a specific count because some people, we don't even talk to them. We just hear years later, oh, I watched your video and I canceled my abortion because of that. Um, so it's hard for us to even gather numbers. But if you go and you look on our social media, you can see the faces of these people. Now, Kevin, being in, uh, being in Hollywood, I want to... So uh, there's an actress who shall remain nameless um, because I don't want to draw any attention to her because she decided to celebrate the fact that she slaughtered her own baby, but it allowed her to get her Oscar, right? The, 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 look, I'm, I'm here today because I murdered my baby when I was younger because I wasn't ready. So that's, I mean, first of all, arrest her because there's no statute of limitations on murder. So the fact that she could say that and, and get away with it and just be up there and everyone clap is, is despicable. Um, so that seems to be the prevailing view among a group that is also full of pedophiles, if I might be so so bold as to say that. I mean, it's, it's a wretched place. So clearly your views are well accepted and liked in, in such an environment, and you are equally celebrated for the work that you're doing. What's that like? I mean, we could, there can be conjecture, right? We can say, I know what it's like to be anti-baby murder in a sea where they, they, they're okay with it. But in your particular experience in, in the industry where you're involved, what's that got to be like? What, what's it got to be like to hold these views and find yourself on the, I mean, on the, on the minority view, unless you're not the minor, minority view and everyone's just terrified to speak up? Well, what's that like being in that world? 
Well, um, my manager and agent pretty much had an intervention with me um, over a decade ago <laughs> and uh, said they couldn't work with me anymore. Um, I think I was part of I think I was I was I was the first victim of cancel culture before it actually became a term uh, for for, uh, you know, speaking up and being a Christian and conservative. And you have those two double labor labels in uh, in Hollywood. It's like being a double leper. And uh, so thank God. I mean, I love the business. I've, I've, I've made a lot of contacts through the years I've been involved in this business. So I, I've shot since then. I probably shot over probably over 50 movies pretty much on my own to people coming directly to me. Um, granted, they're not going to call me for the big top brand movies anymore to, you know, possibly get roles in that. But that's OK. I'm doing movies that I want to do, movies that I told earlier is a positive message. Um, I, I know the woman here, obviously, who you're talking about. I look, I look at this, and Lori hit it right on the nail. I mean, it, it is murder. And to sit there and we become so callous to it because it's repetition, right? It's beating you over the head now for 50 years saying that it's okay, it's all right, don't worry, it's a clump of cells, all, this, all these kind of lies that go on. And what they don't do is the follow-up, like Laura said, with the women that go through this, because many of these women um, regret it for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And in their mind, every year they think about my baby would have been born around this month and that that kid would be 14 years old today or something. You know, there's so much pain and anguish that goes a lot with most of these women, not with the psychopaths. They enjoy killing because there's plenty of those out there. And um, it's just a a battle. We're going to keep fighting the battle. I'm not going to back down to. I do about 15 speaking events a year and I'd say 75 percent of those are pro-life. And it's been a, a blessing to meet the people that I'm meeting. I've met people on both sides of that issue. Um, and you can start sort of talking people into understanding. There's a great statistic that has come up from people now um, that, ha- you know, they go in and get the, uh, the um, get the sonogram. They get, they get the, um, they hear the heartbeat is what I'm trying to say. They hear the heartbeat and 80% of women who are dead set again an abortion, when they hear that heartbeat through an ultrasound, they change their mind. Mm. That is a godsend right there in itself. That's one place where so-called science mm-hmm. has done a, done a great job in slowing that down right and now. It, it, yeah, yeah sorry. It just highlights the fact that we need more people like you and Laura yeah. to expose the truth of what's going on, to show not only the brutal reality of what abortion is, but on the flip side, the beauty of life in even its uh, earliest forms. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I, pretty much every movie I do, I always get at least one other actor coming after me and saying, hey, man, thanks for being a voice for us and uh, not being afraid to speak up. And I go, dude, why don't you be a voice for yourself? <laughs> um, the sheep are the sheep. The sheep are useless to me. Um, I'm here to wake up. I'm here to wake up the lions. You know, yeah, I think yeah. I think Jesus is one of the first people to walk the road less traveled. I think Moses mm-hmm. and other people did it as well, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Jesus got attacked every day for what he was doing. Uh, Laura gets attacked. I get attacked. And it's weird, this attack. I mean, it's like, do you guys understand what you're attacking us for? Yeah, yeah. And there is a there is a, is an evilness out yeah, there. There's yeah. no question oh, about it that, oh. that Satan is doing what he's doing, where people enjoy murdering, slaughtering babies. They need to see the the video that we just released on this um, to get a really I, a, a positive look in a negative way uh, of what it's really like to abort a baby, especially we get that that second and that second and third term because it's incredible. You know, we got people in this country that want to abort babies when they're born. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, yeah, yeah. look at them, decide. What do you think, honey? I mean, where is that? Where does that end? Yeah, that we yeah. get to the, when they're two and three years we, old. And we, go, man, this kid we, just, just we, gonna be a we pain. just covered a story of a, a physician in Quebec who wants to expand the MAID, so euthanasia program here in Canada, to children, infants who are born with 
with disabilities. So it's out in the open. It's demonic. It's spiritual warfare. And I'm so encouraged by both you, Laura, and you, Kevin, for speaking up, for being a voice, for being lions, as you put it, Kevin, because I'm struck by the fact that despite all the negativity of people reaching out to you, he's still able to provide for you. You know, Kevin, you blacklisted yourself in Hollywood. God still provided for you. You stood firm on principle. God provided. Laura, you did the same. You did everything that every single pastoral care pregnancy center said, don't do it, Laura. You can't do it. You're an idiot for doing it. And and all you've done is just save baby after baby after baby and get the pro-life worldview out to more and more people. So that should be an encourage to our viewer, encouragement to our viewers. If you're willing to be that voice crying out in the wilderness, God will use that. If you're willing to pay, pay the cost, to count the cost and stand firm on biblical principles, God will reward that. And I, I just think that you, Laura, and you, Kevin, are perfect examples of how God uses the, those type of courageous behaviors for his own glory. Before we wrap up, can, can Laura and then Kevin, can you tell people what you're up to, where they can get more from both of you if they want to just follow what you guys are up to? Sure. Um, our website, choice42.com. And uh, like Kevin was mentioning, the sheep are useless to us. So once you watch the video, why don't you go ahead and share it? Um, see what happens, you know, be brave. Um, and we'll, all of our future projects will be available through the website. Uh, and for me, a good place to go is sorbostudios.com. That's sorbostudios.com. Sign up, see what's going on there. Um, my wife and I are hosting a trip back to Israel in May of next year, 2023. Go to sorboisraeltrip.com, com, and join us. We took a group of 60 people three years ago. And it was unbelievable. I was just there earlier this year. I just did another documentary. I've done two documentaries there now. And uh, this one is on the modern day Indiana Jones. Uh, we were doing through archaeological digs, uh, tracing the Ark of the Covenant and also with the tabernacle. So um, please join us on this trip. Don't worry. There's no COVID stuff going on there anymore. I went in May and there was the, it was three days after to get rid of the mask mandate and 98% of the people in Israel walking around without a mask. So <laughs> thank God Trudeau's not in charge yes, of Israel. Yes. <laughs> amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. Yeah, we're going to we're going to make sure we link in our description where they can go watch the video, the animation, the procedure. Please share it. Please blast it out because we need exposure. Right. It's and it's amazing that the kind of courage that we're talking about isn't anything more than simply saying what is like that's all we're that's all we're doing we're not we're not creating something we're not saying go stand up against a thousand people and put your life on the line we're saying just speak that which is true which is becoming exceedingly difficult in our world and so i'm thankful for you laura for you kevin for doing just that so thanks again for joining us on the dispatch it was great to have you thank you thanks guys it's it was really good to to interview them and also to have a very honest and frank discussion. I think that, you know, like Laura said in her experiences, that many that profess to be Christians or that profess to be conservatives don't like her honest, straightforward, and I would say thoroughly biblical approach, which is to call sin for what it is, to expose darkness with light, 
and to be real about what's going on. And uh, many churches and organizations that feign a love for Christ have, have distanced themselves from her to their shame when she's doing really, really good work, including this video, which is disturbing, um, difficult to watch. And so again, disclaimer here for kids, but it was so good to be able to talk openly and honest, honestly about what we believe, about life, about the value of life, and the snuffing out of that innocent life. Now, before we share the video with you, we do want to tell you about our friends at Red Balloon. You might think that woke politics and medical tyranny have destroyed the Canadian workplace, but did you know that some companies are standing up and saying no? Over 2,000 companies have pledged to honor free speech and medical privacy at redballoon.work, and Red Balloon is here in Canada. Business owners, find top-tier values-aligned talent and get help building an uncancelable pro-freedom workplace. Job seekers, find courageous companies that share and protect your values. Go sign up today at redballoon.work slash LCC. Again, that's redballoon.work slash LCC. And now we would like to show you the procedure. I just arrived at work as the hospital's lead sonographer and was looking at the patient's schedule for the day when my boss told me to go immediately to the OR. The surgeon was requesting ultrasound guidance. That was all the information I was given. I had no idea what I was walking into. I wheeled the ultrasound machine into the OR. The patient was already sedated on the operating table. Plugging in the machine, I waited for instructions from the doctor. He barked at me to place the ultrasound probe on the patient's pelvis so he wouldn't perforate her uterus. Still confused about the procedure, I did as he asked and realized the woman was pregnant. She was in her second trimester, so I easily determined the gender of her baby, a little girl. Stunned, I watched the doctor thrust a catheter into the amniotic sac. The fetus dodged the catheter and tried to hide in the top of her mother's uterus to get away. In horror, I watched as he inserted a forceps clamp and grabbed her tiny leg. She writhed around in pain, trying to break free, but there was nowhere for her to go. Then the doctor pulled hard until her leg ripped away from her body. She recoiled and violently twisted around in pain and curled herself into a tight ball. But it was no use. The clamp grabbed her arm and she struggled to pull away. Her movements weakened now because she was dying. He pulled her arm off of her body. My vision blurred. My eyes filled with tears. The child again curled herself into a tight ball, but again the device grabbed her other leg and it was ripped from her body. By now her heartbeat had slowed significantly but she was still alive. The clamp grabbed her last limb and ripped it off. She wiggled and squirmed around, and then her heart finally stopped beating. I announced that there was no more cardiac activity. The nurse and scrub tech in the room gasped 
realizing for the first time that this was happening to a fetus that was still alive. The remaining body parts, the head and torso, were removed. Placenta was removed and a final look with ultrasound revealed all products of conception were removed. I was told I could leave the room. Up until that moment, I had been frozen. I silently removed the ultrasound machine from the operating room, went directly to the locker room, and threw up. I quit my job at that hospital shortly after. I told my boss I would never again participate in that type of procedure. I was having nightmares and could not escape the memory of what I had witnessed. I would never again assist in the murder of a child. It was over 20 years ago, but it's just as vivid in my mind today as the day it happened. The saddest part is that this procedure is still happening today. People have no idea we are murdering babies in this way. They think it isn't a person, that it's just a mass of tissue. I'm so sorry for what happened to this little girl. For what I did to her. I'm sorry, sweetheart. I'm so sorry. And Andrew, some people, having played that video, and, and it's it's gruesome, it's gory in its details, in its imagery, and some people would say, why would you want to show that? Why would you want to be that explicit in dealing with abortion? And as we talked about in the interview, it's important to show the abortion procedure in all its absolute evil and disgusting goriness because it 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 highlights the very nature of the evil of the procedure and while you know there's some in the church would that would hope we would speak in in hushed tones and tippy toe around the gruesome reality of the sin of abortion the reality it is is it is the direct intentional killing of an innocent human being it is the murder of a child in many cases with malice aforethought right which is the definition of murder. And that is why we here at Liberty Coalition Canada want to speak out clearly and plainly about it. And we appreciate people who do speak that way. And Kevin and Laura, Choice42, they they speak very clearly. They don't speak in hushed ter terms. And in light of the fact that we just celebrated Reformation Day, we ought to, especially as Protestant Christians, understand that the men that we look up to, the men that we admire as the magisterial reformers, Luther included, they were not wilting flowers. They were bombastic, especially if you look at Luther. They were bold and they were courageous. And one of my favorite quotes, you let off with a Luther quote, so I get to lead off with, uh, with a quote, or I get to insert my own uh, Martin Luther quote. And he said this, Peace if possible, truth at all costs. And that's almost been inverted, especially by Big Eva nowadays. Speak peace and, and quietly in soft tones, but tippy-toe around the truth. I'm so thankful for Kevin, 
for Laura for her ministry and for Laura TV for platforming them in this way to highlight the gruesome reality of abortion. And if you're disturbed by this video, by the accounts of what an abortion procedure in the second trimester it is, then you, how much more ought you be disturbed by the fact that that procedure happens daily across our nation with taxpayer funding? And it happens, abortion happens 300 times a day, over 100,000 times a year in this nation. And that should really shock us and wake us up to the horrors of what's taking place in our nation. Andrew, comments to close us off. I'm sure there's some people that didn't like that we showed that video. And I wouldn't be surprised if we lose some followers or some subscribers. I know after we interviewed Maxime Bernier and we pressed him, we drilled down on abortion. I, I noticed that we lost a number of subscribers on our Rumble channel. That's fine. That's fine. We're not going to be shy about what we believe here at the Liberty Coalition Canada. We're not going to be shy about the fact that the taking of innocent human life at any stage of that life, when willfully done, is murder. And anyone who knowingly murders an innocent human being must be subject to trial. And if they're convicted, they must pay the penalty for their crimes. That's everyone involved. That's our position. And that's an, that's an unpopular position. That's fine. But let, let, let me say this to people in the freedom movement who might dislike what I've just said. If you are going to be about freedom, then you need to be about the protection of the freedoms and the liberties of all Canadians, including the tiniest of them while still inside their mother's wombs. And so if you're going to talk about freedom and liberty, but you are not going to cringe at babies being murdered, and if you're going to talk about freedom and liberty, and you're not going to like us because we show that video and take a position, then you don't actually believe in freedom and liberty. You have no consistency and no foundation for your position. You're trying to build a house in midair or on sand, and it will fall apart. The reason why we are so strong in our opinions about this is because we really do believe in the importance of protecting liberties and freedoms, including the right to life, the right to not be murdered. You know, I'll take from another reformer. John Calvin has a very famous quote where he said, surely if a man is murdered inside his own home, the place where he's supposed to be safe and secure, that would be a greater evil than if he were murdered out in the middle of the field or in the wild or in the public. So how much more evil the taking of an innocent human life inside of his or her mother's womb, which is supposed to be the safest of all places where the person is most vulnerable, how much greater that evil. These are the men that we celebrated yesterday. This, this is our heritage of faith in the Reformation, is men who, like Luther, would say, and again, I read that quote off the top because that describes who we are here at the Liberty Coalition Canada. We have strong opinions on marriage and sexuality. We have strong opinions on murdering babies because our standard is the word of God and we will not recant. We are not going to be like the failed conservatives in our country who make overtures to social Christian issues and then abandon them for the sake of votes and popularity. No, no, no. We, we believe what we believe and we will stand firm on biblical principles and we will not recant. We will not become squishy. We will not back down because our consciences are held captive by the word of God.
you will support us and we trust that you will understand that we indeed are fighting for the liberties and freedoms of all Canadians, which is why we have to take the positions that we do. And we're not going to back and we're not going to change our positions anytime soon. And we'll continue to do the work that we're doing in being a united front for restoring liberty in Canada. Andrew, uh, wonderful comments to, to wrap us up here. We, we always really appreciate you, our dear listeners and viewers who, who tuned into the episode. We will link the description to the procedure in case you're just listening to us on podcasts where you can see the video as well for yourself. I also want to make mention for those more libertarian minded folks I want to. I'm going to post you an episode that Bob Murphy, a friend of the show, um, has done with Carrie Baldwin about a libertarian view of of a pro life argument. Now, I think it's a solid as so far as it goes. Obviously, as those who are Christians uh, who believe, you know, uh, that God's law and His Word speak very clearly about this. Some of her arguments are a little superfluous, but nevertheless, I think it might help you who might be coming at it from a different perspective, engage in this debate in a different way from a different perspective. So I just want to put put that in the the description just for your benefit um, as well. So just want to highlight that. Thank you all for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the program. We hope you were blessed by it. And as always, please feel free. Go over to LibertyCoalitionCanada.com. Leave us a donation over there so we can continue to bring you news and analysis from a Christian perspective. And we on the program always close with Galatians 5.1, which says, For freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore. And do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. God bless. Thanks for tuning in to Liberty Dispatch, a united front to restore liberty and justice in Canada. Please subscribe to our podcast and Rumble channel, as well as visit our website at www.libertycoalitioncanada.com.